Hey, Wonderfuls. Welcome to episode 497 of the JV Club with my boy of winter, Mr. John Moe. I was so delighted to have John on to talk about many, many things, including the paperback release of his wonderful book. And I uh, feel sure that if you are a Max Fun listener, you are already familiar with John and his wonderful podcast, Depression Mode. I've had the joy of being a part of it uh, in a couple of different ways uh, over the last couple of years. And I just can't say enough about him. I mean, I guess when I say I can't say enough about him, I mean, I I can't say enough good things about him. That really left it open for all kinds of stuff. Anyway, please enjoy this episode and check out sfsketchfest.com for show information for tons of Max Fun shows and more at SF Sketchfest in January and February of 2023. Sorry, I was so I'm so on top of it. I can't believe how on top of it I am. I, I that almost felt like too abrupt. Like <laughs> I should have. Is this a soft enough landing for yeah. you? This is that was very abrupt. I was like, hey, great background. <laughs> let's, Are you let's recording? Go. <laughs> Enough of chitter chatter. It was the paranoia of worrying that I would forget oh. to hit record because that still happens. I mean, I don't not hit record, but the paranoia right. still exists. That's good. Like I've not. I don't really have a reason to have that paranoia at this point. I've been okay about that stuff. Do you have that? Do you have stuff that you're just like? Yeah, I, I, yeah, I try not to think about it too much when my, my biggest <laughs> fear is that I, I'll begin, I'll, I'll be like halfway through the interview and realized I never hit record. I did that when I was a reporter, I would like do a, an interview in the field and then realized I never hit record. And then I would say, let me just ask you a couple more questions. And then repeat the <laughs> questions, rephrasing them in reverse order. <laughs> That's a yeah. great save. And I appreciate the fact that you thought on your feet like that. Like, that seems like something that I would immediately go into, like, <laughs> self-flagellation mode so that I would either quickly cop to yeah. what just happened or not or like punish myself by being like this is your <laughs> fault you can't re-ask those questions like that's a that's I, not a good i haven't had to use right there. like college improv skills very much in my life but that was one time <laughs> when i'm like all right let's just go with this <laughs> okay so i get it i get it you wanted to throw around the weight a little bit that you took college improv classes oh, yeah. uh way to get that out early in the game back when it was called theater sports Oh, yeah. yeah. And for some people, it still, you know, is. It still is. It still yeah. is. Yeah. Especially in Canada. Okay. I feel like I feel like theater sport. I feel like theater sports is still widely used in Canada because it's a it is short form stuff a lot of the time in, in schools and stuff. Yeah, okay. that's that's what it was. It was just a lot of freeze tag and trying to be funny. <laughs> How'd it go? It's, <laughs> I stopped. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I've been meaning to to go back and do more acting. I think I might like look into taking a class. Like there was a time when I thought if there were any classes, I need to be the one teaching them. But it's been so long Uh now that I think maybe I'll take one. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. I uh, I've sort of had the same thought. And in fact, I was walking not so much with uh, theater and acting um, 
because I've never been able to fully shed this feeling of embarrassment that I do it at all. Yeah. Um, but I, I, I was walking to the DMV today, humble brag, and uh, <laughs> and I passed by a, a sort of schmancy looking actor's workshop. And the first thing that came to my mind, because there, I feel like there have been just enough stories about this in the last few years, whether they're just like quietly anecdotal or like written up in a newspaper. There are so many stories about like, kind of intense cult behavior that happens in acting yes. classes in LA that the, my first thought walking past this place was like cult which no. probably is totally <laughs> inaccurate in every way I I was in an MFA acting program so I, I was in what I th- think was an actual cult um, <laughs> you know, like the criteria there wasn't a doomsday scenario but there was there was definitely like a you know obey Obey the charismatic leader unquestionably mm-hmm. and, um, you know, mock outsiders and try to live together in a kind of compound if you can. Really? Oh, you even got a compound? Well, like, I mean, like, in loosely? Yeah, people were like in, you know, like living together in these little apartments. Yes. Um, and then, you know, going to Meisner training all day and then trying to oh, live together yeah. in the evenings. Oh, yeah. yeah. Wait, where was this that, that it, did everyone need to pile into an apartment because it was an expensive place to live? Or was No, it was it was because there was lots of floppy apartments. It was at, uh, in uh, New Brunswick, New Jersey, at Rutgers, okay. the State University of New Jersey. Got it. You've never sounded less enthusiastic about anything. Oh boy! While speaking plain facts, well, I, uh, in the time we've spoken, I was a theater major in college, and then I didn't want to move back in with my parents, so grad school seemed like the next logical solution. Yep, totally. And um, and I I was really I was really sold on the idea of like oh you know real acting is like New York acting and mm-hmm. and you have to be miserable and if you can have an Italian surname so much the better but if you can't <laughs> um, you know you should at least scowl a lot and, and or at least live above an Italian restaurant yeah. with a surname that's Italian <laughs> right and i had never been i don't think i'd ever been um, east of like Iowa in my life you know i grew up on the west coast and and yeah. so then all of a sudden i was in new jersey and and doing this this Meisner type of training where you where everything is intense and everything has to be serious and I'm like I really want to be funny is there any yeah. chance for me to be funny here no, no. Uh, okay <laughs> <laughs> will you tell people what the Meisner technique is for people who don't know I can try it's um <laughs> I mean it's based on the idea of uh of living truthfully in imaginary circumstances, so yes. uh, so it's it's a verite style of acting. You're not going to learn a lot of uh, you know uh, business, a lot a lot of uh, funny business and comic bits. You, you're not going to do a lot of <laughs> uh, musical, romantic comedy, musical theater in a right. Meisner type of training. And then at the at the the first step of it is this repetition exercise. Where one person will say, "Oh, that's a nice shirt." The other person says, "This is a nice shirt." Yeah, this is a nice shirt. This is a nice shirt. That's a nice shirt. It's that is so David Mamet. And then after a while, like it evolves, like, "Oh, okay, so it's a nice shirt." What do you mean it's a nice shirt? I'm just saying it's a nice shirt. Are you saying it's a bad shirt? No, it's not a bad shirt. Oh, why is it a bad shirt? And, <laughs> and then, for some reason, like the the end 
product of that buildup always needed to be someone throwing someone else out of the room. <laughs> and, so, and so you're supposed to be in the moment and, you know, generous to your partner and you're not acting, you're reacting, you're, yeah. you know, and, and, um, but then it's really never over until someone gets mad and throws the other person out and then they stop and, and talk about it. And there's a lot of really good actors in the world who, who went through this training, but I think they, they all sort of took a moment of like, okay, this is helpful to an extent. This yeah. Is, it's a tool. This it's is one tool. tool in the yeah, toolbox. Not the tool. Yeah. 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 Well, yeah, it's interesting too because just in the the stuff that I did in in high school and college, which none of it was like, hey, here's a semester of Meisner or anything like that. Yeah. Um, my question about that, and I did not think about it at the time, and I've only just am thinking about it right now as you're talking about it, is like, what what do we what can we glean from that? Is it that you know human beings are by nature sort of confrontational and that eventually any conversation that's sort of shiftless is going to turn into something like that? Or is it just like you're so tired of doing the technique that yeah. it's the exercise that you're sort of taking it out on the other person? Like, or you you feel like it needs to escalate? You know what I mean? Opposed to it just sort of like, what if it transformed into something where two people were in love with each other and yeah. that's how it always ended? You or know? just have a nice time talking about pets or something. Uh-huh. I, <laughs> totally. I wonder if there is uh, something kind of baked in where you know that if there is acting, then there's if if there's acting, there's drama. If there's drama, there's like conflict. conflict. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. and then, but I I also think too, it's like you're in New Jersey, and and uh, you know everyone's competing to to get through this program so that they could go up to New York and be you know Dustin Hoffman or something, and yeah. and you know, wait tables and, and scrap for a little, a little part in a, in a movie and, and, you know, where, where there's just a sense of the world is crushing down on you and you're, you're probably doomed. <laughs> That's what the cult part of it is for. Yeah. You're all lifting each other up. <laughs> you're growing your own beans <laughs> right. in New Jersey. Right. <laughs> for me, it, it, um, I had, I had a really wonderful undergraduate college theater experience it was you know we did tons of plays it was a small college uh is this on the west coast I, yeah presumably, yeah, moved, yeah whitman college in walla walla washington and right. um you know and like obviously you competed against each other for parts but it was a small department and a small school and so you those those were your best friends and you kind of sure and we did a ton of plays and you know you're out there to kind of delight yourself and each other and then and then I got there I got to grad school and and like a lot of the joy of acting just got drained out yeah. of me yeah you know it's, it totally makes sense yeah I'm like totally oh like you know when, when you're trying to do this thing that you used to love and you're hearing either mentally or literally the voice of a very angry acting instructor <laughs> telling you that you're doing it wrong. Like, oh, yeah. I don't want to do this. Yeah. So then after that, I went and did children's theater for a year, and I recovered. That's what I like to hear. I recovered that some of that. 180, my friend. <laughs> yes. 180. Yes. Um, okay, two things. One, here's why those types of acting are hard for me 
and valuable because I I needed to figure out how to do that stuff. And then I also immediately dropped it and just went into sketch comedy. Nice. But like you realize it's hard to be in a class like that where someone's like, hey, you're not being grounded and natural enough. And you're like, have you met me? I'm a cartoon. Like, the most natural thing I can do is be ebullient and, like, gesticulate wildly and Go be for a the dork. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? And like, But even my anger is, like, cartoonish. Do you know what I mean? Right. Like, I'm just, some people are just, like, very lively. Yeah. And so the <laughs> irony is, like, you know, the it's far less grounded to be, like, and this is just how I conduct myself because this is what real people do and this is how real people behave. You know, it's like, no, no, no. I am not getting closer to anything natural at all by, by doing this. I've, it's good to be pared down because that's important. Yeah. I've found a lot of the the places where acting has worked for me has been uh, when I've acted like somebody I wasn't to try to convince someone else. <laughs> and so like in that experience, like, like I I was a cartoon too, but I was like, okay, but I but really I'm you know John Malkovich or something. I'm yes. I'm you know I'm I'm really uh, gritty and angry for no particular reason, and uh-huh. you know that <laughs> like when I was being myself, but being someone who wasn't myself, that's when I earned the the treat pellets. You know that's yeah oh hundred percent yes and, yes exactly. And then right. later exactly. when I did radio, I. I found myself like somebody said, oh, our newscaster is out sick. You've got to do the newscasts. And, and you know, it's a public radio station in Seattle. And so I thought, oh, what do, what do I do? I'll, I'll sound like a public radio newscaster. I'll act yes. like that person. Yes. And it worked. Yes. <laughs> Which makes you wonder, is that all it is? Like, is that, are we all, you know, yeah. is, is that the what style over are? substance? Yeah. That it's just this learned thing. Right. And, and, you know, it's going to come out and everybody's like, I, I, they're probably, they probably really do this and sound like this and yes. think this way, yes. but I'm faking. And then it's like, no, we're all, we're no. all dampers, new closing it. Yep. Um, the other thing I was going to say is, have you seen, and I swear I probably have brought this up too recently, uh, but maybe not. Uh, have you seen Spaceship Earth? No. What's that? Oh my God. Please, John Mo, please see this movie. You'll love it. It's um, it's a documentary about uh, Biosphere Two, which oh, was sure. uh, created outside Tucson, which is where I'm from. Yep. Um, and the group of people who uh, who created, who conceptualized it, um, and they started out like, I mean, they had a act. They were like an acting troupe, uh-huh. except that it was this group of really extraordinary, very bright people who were like, I guess we should build a ship and travel around the world, right? Should we do that? <laughs> And, like, create sustainable farming all over. Let's do that. And also, let's do weird, like, breathing exercises because it's still the 70s and we're still actors. And um, so that was, like, a successful, what what you could sort of look at as a non-doomsday cult that (laughs) kind of did what all of the other cults sort of said they might do. And then instead, everybody just ended up, you know hating each other or the leader was convicted of something or, you know, worse. Right. <laughs> Often worse. Right. Just contained in a, a habit trail sort of a Exactly. Situation. Yeah. You should you should watch it. I think it's I think it's wonderful and we'll I truly I truly feel like I'm like, oh that's the cult that is the cult I would want to be in. Like I could I could make that work. Yeah. It was like science and arts and thinking crazily and, you know, doing the stuff that people were like, You can't do that and they were like, What if we did though? Um <laughs> do you it's think, very inspiring. Do you think you could still be in that cult or would you have had to be like twenty 
in order I would have had to be I would have had to be at, at, it would have had to be then and I would have had to be the right age <laughs> okay. then you're yeah. absolutely right I'm glad you clarified that I would have to go back to that era and be like 18 yeah in that area it, yeah otherwise no dice that sounds like a lot of fun I know I know <laughs> watch it get back to me let me know All right. uh and as an as a West Coast kid, um, when you did go, I mean, you know, just describing Rutgers and the program is one thing, but did you have the experience that um, I have, even though I like being on the East Coast, where I my West Coastness is like just sticks out to me. I don't even know if it sticks out to other people as much as it does where I'm like, wow, I really. I didn't realize how much of a West Coaster I clearly yes. am until I'm placed in a situation in which I'm surrounded by non-West Coasters. Yeah, well, uh, because you can, everything's older there. And I remember thinking, this place is a mess. <laughs> like New York, New Jersey, if I you know, go, had occasion to go into Pennsylvania or up to Massachusetts or something. Like there's a lot of really cool things here, but like, you know, the streets of New Brunswick or just, you know, like big major parts of New York City, like wonderful, yes, but also just messy. Uh-huh. And <laughs> I mean, I guess I'm used to things being messy with pine needles, but right, not, right. not with like uh, garbage. Um, yeah. And yeah. so that that kind of stuck out with with me and I you know I again I I fell back on the acting where where if I was walking around you know in the in the evenings around New York or, or you know New Brunswick New Jersey or Newark for some reason um if I if I took on the appearance of being annoyed and slightly nauseous then <laughs> I feel like people would leave me alone like <laughs> Yeah. Oh, no. Just walking around like, oh, I got a tummy ache. You know, what a <laughs> what a bother this is. Don't, don't say I got a tummy ache <laughs> no, out loud, or you not. might. You I might hurt my tummy. Reduce tum. the credibility yeah. of the character you're misnering. Yeah. yeah. Oh, that's oh, amazing. Man. I got a tummy ache. Uh, uh, yeah, where? What was the ache. the when you were a teenager in Washington? Um, where where were you? Because it wasn't Walla Walla, right? That was when no. You went it was in women. Federal Way, Washington, which is. A suburb yes. halfway between Seattle and Tacoma. Yes. I 100% have talked to someone else from Federal Way because we really? spent like 10 minutes talking about how weird of a name that is. Yes. And that it sounds like an expressway and not a place. I can explain the It just sounds like, I live on Federal name. Way. Yeah, I can... I, and, and, and listen, that may have happened on, on that episode, but it was a long time ago yeah. and I do not remember <laughs> it. So please refresh me. Was it, was it Kyle Secor from Melrose Place who you interviewed? <laughs> Because he's the only other person I know of from Federal Way. Um, I wish. I, yeah, if only. No, so so Highway 99, Federal Highway 99, yes. uh, is was the road built between Seattle and Tacoma. Um, there was enough people kind of uh, – the, the Boeing plant wasn't far away. And mm-hmm. so a lot of people who worked at Boeing bought houses along Federal Highway 99 – and and they had enough of them, so they created uh, the Federal Way School uh, al- okay. along Highway 99. Okay. And so since they had that, then they said, well, you know, we, we need the Federal Way School District so we could build more schools. Yeah. And then other businesses started popping up around the school 
you know, federal way auto repair. Yeah. And and so it eventually became a town named after yeah. the street that goes so through the it town. Was, so it really, yeah. So that's, it's not like it's a shocking surprise. Like, actually, Mr. Federal V. Way <laughs> right, right. settled that area. It's like, no, it, you think that it sounds like a, a, a street, Janet, because it absolutely was. It absolutely was a street. I, I will say it's it's a town named after the means by which you get the fuck out of the town. <laughs> Welcome to anywhere else, New Jersey. <laughs> I know. Yeah, I could really pick them for a while, you know. <laughs> since then, you know, it was Walla Walla and and uh, and Seattle and St. Paul. Those were all very good, defensible uh, places to live. They are, and the last two that you named really. Um, there's just a lot of like ride, like ride dark humor that comes out of uh, that comes out of those places. Yes. And, that makes sense to me. It makes sense to me either that you would be drawn there because you were the person you were or that in being drawn there, that sort of, you know, drew out more of those qualities. Well, I got done with grad school and then I toured with the children's theater for a year. And then and then my my then girlfriend, now wife, and I uh, decided to move to Seattle. And one of the reasons I was excited to, to go to Seattle, one, there was theater to be done there. Uh-huh. Um, but also having grown up in the suburbs, like Seattle was the most glamorous place imaginable. Sure. You know, that's where you, where you went, maybe you rode the bus, maybe one of your friends had a car and went and bought punk rock records. Oh uh, God. Yeah. You know, at the, at the used record shops. like Capitol Hill kind of. Capitol Hill, the university district. Yeah. um, Yeah. You know, some of those places. So, you know, to live there, it's like. You know, it's like having an apartment above CBGBs or something. Oh, yeah, absolutely. That's one of those areas that and I realize that I'm talking about most college towns or or college areas within larger cities. But that is one of those um, places where uh, my sweetie Brandon and I have this sort of idea that there are certain areas that you almost should. They should almost serve as like uh they should almost serve as gateways into the other area or many other areas that are just like it. So you should be able to sort of walk through a gateway there and be in, you know, Portland, uh, like, you know what I mean? Or walk through there and be on fourth Avenue, which is what I had when I was growing up. Like that's where the skate punks or hate Ashbury or, you know, those places where you're like, Oh, Oh, this is great. This is just going to take me. I can easily walk in and be in Austin, the mall in Boulder. Uh huh. Yeah, no, like some sort of like a portal kind of system. Yeah, like a portal. Yeah, Yeah. that would be great. Yeah, I, I, I mean, there's, I do, do places in the eastern United States have that as much? I feel like maybe the entire state of Vermont is one of those. It might be. It might be. But I know in the in the west, there's, you know, you could like it's almost like every state has at least one, if not several. In Montana, it's Missoula. In Colorado, yeah. it's Boulder. Yeah. Uh, Nevada, I'm not so sure. But, um, That's a really good point. That's a really good point. I'd be hard-pressed to think of I a think single place. Maybe aren't enough Someone people. Knows. But, you know, ta- uh, Taos, Taos in yeah. New Mexico, is that where the... the Cool kids yeah. go, or is that just where yeah. you buy turquoise I think there's jewelry? There's probably even some pockets in in Santa Fe. Okay, there's probably something like that. No, that's a that's a or you know like you like we were saying like look for the look for the university. That's probably your yeah. best 
your best bet. But um, yeah, I think that just comes out of like, that's maybe a fun way of reacting to traveling enough that you start being reminded of places to the point where you almost sort of stop and go like, oh my God, this is like the exact street in Boston that we were in to the point where it's sort of unsettling me that, you know, that I'm like, no, 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 wait, hold on. I'm getting a wash of Boston. What's happening? Right. Like it's a way of managing that anxiety of too much travel or something. In St. Paul, where I live now, I can think of four, at least four colleges that I could easily walk my dog to from, Uh from just from, from my house. It's so full of colleges to the point where there's a, (laughs) a coffee shop near one of the colleges and they I go there and they they have a bulletin board and and a while back I saw a a flyer up for a wizard robe repair oh my goodness (laughs) so if you've had you have your wizard obviously you have a wizard robe goes without saying because but you know you might have been putting a lot of work into the work (laughs) that you do in with the wizard robe on. Thank you for using the word work. That is appropriate. Yeah. And, and you know, it's bound to wear down because... It's going to happen. You've got a wand. You've got <laughs> spells. You have possibly neighbor's dogs that don't like wizards. You yeah. find a nice piece of cloth to just grab onto right. and pull right. at. And so then, you know, you're home... And you've got a sewing machine, and you think I need to maybe raise a few extra dollars here. I need, yeah. you know, rent's going to be a little bit yeah. tight this month. Yeah, I think I'll make a flyer. That's amazing. <laughs> okay, we're going to take a break. I will be back after a word from our wonderful buddies at Maximum Fun. I'm Jordan Cruciola, the host of Feeling Scene, where we talk about the movie characters that make us feel seen. And I'm the show's producer, Marissa. Jordan, you've interviewed so many directors, actors, writers, film critics, and I like to play this little game where I take a sip of coffee every time someone says, that's such a great question. That's such a fabulous question. Or they tell you how smart you are. I think that you are rather brilliant. And of course, the big one is... When, when they, they cry, cry unexpectedly. unexpectedly. Yes, yes. Jordan, I don't want to cry on your podcast. I wasn't expecting to <laughs> cry. I mean, it makes me kind of want to cry. <sighs> Feeling Seen comes out every Thursday on MaximumFun.org. Listen already. What are you waiting for? Jordan, that's such a great question. <laughs> <laughs> you're a storyteller and you're also a people person and a person who's sort of interested in the the sort of small moments. I mean, that's my that's my takeaway from yeah. just, you know, knowing you a, a little bit and knowing your podcast and stuff. And obviously it's a themed podcast, but I definitely in just your, you know, working in public radio and stuff, I feel like you and I are very similar in that we want the little story that goes behind those yeah. those types of moments. Like, oh I oh I feel so tender. I feel so tender towards just everyone in this. Like I feel tender towards myself for feeling tender. I feel tender towards the person who's like, wait a minute, I gotta make a flyer. Four <laughs> friends of mine have asked me to repair their wizard robes. There's money here. There's, you know, I'm it just sitting it's this, on a gold it's this mine. pool it's this yeah, it's this is like like beautiful uh, like flowering out of like and I feel and I love you and I love you <laughs> right. and I feel sort of sad and great about all of this and i'm so glad i'm a human being well i'm a big fan of um of movies tv art whatever it is comedy music that hints a greater presence of something but doesn't bother explaining it 
Yes. Like, um, love that. The first one that comes to mind is uh, the old 97s, Rhett Miller's band, the old 97s. Sure. He's got a line in one of his songs that just says, Because if Robert's dad is right, we might not make it through the night. <laughs> We never find out who Robert is or what his who his dad is. And and I I know Red a little bit and I said, yeah. "Was there a real Robert and like is that a real story?" And he's yeah. like, "Oh yeah. You know, Robert Robert his dad just thought we were goofballs." <laughs> and I'm like, "Well, who's Robert?" He's like, eh, "It doesn't matter who Robert is." <laughs> but I've just always been a fan of that like like yes. uh you know, a TV show that will hint towards some other life that a character has. The un, uh, mm. Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt is full of those moments. Oh yeah, you know, yeah, where that's l- sort of sort of predicated on the idea. Yeah, we're like thing you you'll never see Carol Kane's. Yeah, and this is always with Carol Kane characters. Like, there's s- things that you'll never find out about that uh-huh. that woman, <laughs> but you just have to enjoy not knowing. You know what is also like that? Harold and Maude. Harold and Maude. Yes. Right? Like, there's so much we don't know about Maud. Like, where she can't... I mean, we know that she has numbers on her. She has tattooed numbers on her arm. Yep. You can extrapolate a tremendous amount from that. Yep. But there's clearly more going on than that. I mean, she invented a thing where you can smell places through a machine <laughs> in the train car she lives in. Right. Like, there's a lot going on there. Yep. I don't know. Yeah, but all you, all you need to know is that she's somebody who you don't know some things about. Absolutely. And like, why is Harold so, I mean, you understand that Harold is a wealthy, very smart, sensitive person who lives with a mom who doesn't, you know, understand him. Right. So, and, but, but, but even the idea that like, you don't know anything about what took us to the moment where we find out that he's, he likes pretending to kill himself. Right. He's not actually suicidal. Is like he it's such it's drama. like one more step removed. It's like it's not a cry for help. It's like a cry for a cry for help or something. Because <laughs> right. it's like yeah. he knows he's going to be found, but he also knows he's not in any real danger. Yeah, but there's something real happening there. Did you did you see that movie when you were younger? Was that something that spoke to me so hard as a depressed teenager? It's been a long time, but yes, I have seen it. A friend of mine in high school uh, was all his favorite line from any movie was when I think it's when Harold finds out that Maud is dying, spoiler. Yeah. And and he says, What? <laughs> Just one loud what. And so my yeah. my friend Sean, whenever he would find out something shocking, would would uh, would do that Harold line so he could. That's brilliant. I love that it's just obscure enough that it's just the word what, so it's not going to yeah. mean anything to anyone except right. someone who, possibly even people who know the movie, they're not going to know that's what he's yeah. doing unless he's it, had the exchange with a friend. Like, by the way, what I'm doing right now is a moment for Harold and Maude. <laughs> right. Now I need you to imagine a very quick cut right afterwards. Yeah, it's not here's looking at you, kid. That. There's no... <laughs> No one's yeah. gonna know it. It's a, yeah. it's a, it's a thing that gets said in nearly every other movie as well. Uh-huh. It's right up there <laughs> with "Let's get out of here." Let's get out of here. I think Nicolas Cage has probably said "What?" Yeah, uh, yep. many times in his career. Let's get out of uh, here, or that comes to mind, or "Don't you get it?" is always popular no, in movies. Don't, too. don't even start with "Don't you get it?" <laughs> don't say "Don't." Oh, "Don't you get it?" Have you ever had to say "Don't you get it?" on screen? <sighs> I don't think so. But God, it's possible. Yeah. I mean, it's definitely possible. It might be coming. It's so ubiquitous that I can't, I don't even know if I can like tease apart whether I've said it or it's just like in our 
yeah. like, memory lexicon <laughs> as a species. Um, when you were uh, when you were a kid, when you were like a teenager in in uh, in and on federal way uh-huh. and just off federal way, um, were you? And I I'm very happy that we have not. Well, we've already talked for as long as we have without bringing up depression. But yeah. um, given that 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 is sort of a touch point That's for my anyone beat. who who in who interviews you, it has to like come up. But uh, Janet, but I'm you... so good at being depressed that I went pro. <laughs> Not everybody can make a living Good at this. You. Yeah. Good on yeah. you, my friend. You. Um, was that something that was like a part of you as a hormonal teenage boy? <laughs> it was, but I didn't know that that's what it was. What it was. I knew something yeah. was going on, um, and it really showed up around seventh, eighth grade. Um, but all like I couldn't tell anybody else was going through anything similar. I mean, since I, mm. since I wrote my book, I've heard from many people I went to junior high with saying, saying, oh my God, I was going through that in junior high. Oh, and, yeah. and they didn't think that I was going through it because I was funny and I was outgoing and I was a cartoon and all these things. And, yeah. um, but no, it, it took the form of being unable to concentrate, being mm-hmm. inexplicably angry. It took mm. the form of like something bad would happen and I would like be involuntarily crying and unable to stop, Mm. you know, and be like, I'm not even sad anymore. I just can't Mm. stop this, you know? And, and, you know, it's mortifying to be, to be different in any way in junior high. And, um, especially for, for something like that. And in a time where, I mean, the, the 1980s, where like the the male machismo myth was very much in effect and you know you're trying to learn how to you know you you know you're entering into manhood but you don't know what that means so yeah. so yeah i was really messed up and i didn't know that it was something called depression all i knew was that i needed to keep it a secret um because nobody else clearly had ever gone through anything like this yeah and so you know, I couldn't, I couldn't expose myself to, you know, to being seen like this. But then when I was, I think eighth or ninth grade, it finally got so bad that I, I asked my mom, I said, can you get me into a a therapist, a a psychologist, Mm -hmm. you know, which is not a a big thing back then. Um, And she, she said, well, I found someone down in Tacoma, so we we need to go down to Tacoma, and so I I went down there, and and the therapist said, well, um, I'm happy to see you today. I there was some mix up because the only reason I had an opening is that I'm moving to Massachusetts oh. like next week, huh. and this is one of my last days in the office. What? He, he said, Why? He said so we can still do an appointment, but this will be our only appointment. <laughs> And I said, like okay. The opposite of what therapy is supposed I know, to be. I know. And I said, <laughs> okay, let's do it. And so then I just talked fast and oh, unloaded bless. everything that I had. Oh. And then he said something or other, you know, along with, well, goodbye. And, <laughs> oh, and, and then I came out of there thinking, whew, got that solved. <laughs> I talked fast enough. One and done. One and done. I'm going to be fine. Yeah. 
Like, you get your hair cut once and, you know, it stops growing it after stops that. So you're gro- good. Yeah, you've eaten dinner one time. Uh-huh. You'll never be hungry again. <laughs> oh, no. Yeah. Wait, so was that, so really was that like there was, from that point forward, was it a little while before you got uh, uh, to go back to see someone? Or did yeah. it quickly become obvious like, oh, no, I need more of this? No, no. I mean, I didn't get more of it for many years after that. Um, but I, I... I thought, well, okay, there isn't a lot of help out there. You know, if if you try to find someone, they're they'll not. Be moving. They'll be moving. They're not going to stick around. Oh, and no. and uh, but I think that's when I really started to throw myself hard into theater. Um, yeah. And we, my junior high didn't have any kind of theater, but my high school had a very active program. Was it a uh, public high school? Public high school, high school, yeah, the, yeah. the mm-hmm. Federal Way High School, the former Federal Way School. Sure. Yeah, you know the one. And uh <laughs> and it was, you know, a a clicky theater kid kind of thing and and you know, you're you're nobody in 10th grade and then you get to be a little bit of somebody in 11th grade, you know, the yeah, the whole I system. And yeah. and it was it wasn't therapy. You know, I I some people say, "No, comedy is my therapy." I'm like, "Oh, Best of luck to you. Um, uh-huh. <laughs> but what it was was something where, like, I was, I had a knack for it so I could get cast in things. And when you're doing a play, you know what you're going to say. You know what the other person's going to say. Everyone is clear on what your relationship is to one another on stage. Yeah. Um, and then at the end, uh, people clap and you bow. And and so it's this, it's this wonderful little island. You know, it's mm. it's something I still enjoy when I you know rare occasion I get to act in something, th- yeah. that uh, you know the anxiety just doesn't exist because you you just know what's going on. Yeah, it is. that's a really good point because uh, it is. It's sort of like a, doing a puzzle or something where you you sort of like there's the, the the calmness in the routine, the calmness and the predictability of it in. But the difference with theater is that there can be all of this stuff inside of it. Like, yes. you know, when we talk about sonnets or haikus or, you know, right. something like that, where Spoon it's like you can fill it with. Yeah, you yeah. can exactly. You can <laughs> fill it with a bunch of stuff. But at the end of the day, unless you're doing something extremely rebellious, yes. it's going to have the same ending. And maybe that feels, you know, cathartic for you and the audience both. And then you sort of shared this thing. And that yep. totally makes sense. So, well, I agree with you. It's like it's not therapy, but. It is kind of therapy. I mean, you it's know, respite, it's a it's a kind of something which can break. be therapeutic. Let's say it's therapeutic while not being therapy I'll for most for of that. us, perhaps. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Did you uh, were you dating at all during this time of high emotion and? Uh... <laughs> uh, not much, but I I um, did, I imagine you're one of these nerds as well. Did you do speech and debate? You know what? I was so averse to confrontation of any kind okay. that um, I was I found it very intimidating. Like I just avoided You avoided that. the competition things. Knowing that I was competitive and not liking the feeling of oh, being competitive. Okay. I think I was like, oh, like almost like, oh, I, I shouldn't take a drink. My dad is, you know what I mean? Right, like, right. He's not called, something like that. Like, oh, I, I don't think I can get into this. It's going to wreck me. It's, I'll be destroyed. So, um, yeah, yeah I, I, so I did the, the speech tournaments, um, you know, the dramatic interpretations and the persuasive speaking. Um, you know, everything I've done has just been an offshoot of, 
of those. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, Which, by the way, when I was young, I did not know that there was even a dramatic interpretation thing. Oh, I literally yeah. thought it was just like two, like three students arguing with each other <laughs> right. about a, a, an idea. Abortion. You know? And someone deciding that someone was right, you know. <laughs> right. That would be simpler. I missed out, maybe. Um, yeah. But so I did well enough in that that I became like famous. Uh, I became not famous, but popular on that circuit. So that like I dated girls from other high schools. Okay. You know, because I would. It's a great workaround yep. having to deal with people at your own school. Right, because people at my own school had known me since uh-huh. kindergarten in, in many oh, cases. That's a lot to drag around. Whenever yeah. someone tells me that, I'm always like, oh. I know. That feels like, yeah, you you get, you, you miss sort of the reinvention phase yes. that some people get to go through. Yes, you know? yes. So, no, I, I, I. I, I had crushes. I had mad, mad crushes. But then, um, either I was the uh, the the nice, funny brother type, um, or I just didn't know know how to talk to girls. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. You know, there was, but there was always some girls who like, oh, she's pretty. She's you know around my same status in the world. But then I would just become friends with them. And I'd forget to like date them. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Nor did they have any particular interest in, in dating me. <laughs> I forgot to date you. Oh, I'm so sorry. I spaced it. I totally spaced <laughs> it. Well, it's a nice way of, I mean, there's something to be said for like avoiding the pain of having someone you care about in your life that may have a beginning, middle, and end in a way that, like, yeah. friendship, while that may also be true, seems to have, there's, it, it seems to certainly, especially when you're that young, like, it just has a longer chance of making it. And so there are those sort of, like, ducky uh-huh. uh, moments. And ma- <laughs> many male, female, and, and, and non-binary duckies, we could, you know, many of us relate to being that person. And the the agony of... Being on the side of wanting more and not being able to get more, yep. but also the agony of not wanting more and treasuring so deeply what you do have and like the the, the sort of tension of like, but you don't understand, like, <laughs> there's no way, we're 15, this would not last as a relationship, wouldn't you rather be friends forever than kiss me? Like, right. wouldn't that be great? Let's, and, let's never make this weird. It's going to be yeah, <laughs> so, I, yeah. I had, and I've been on both sides, you know, I, you, I, you really feel it. Yeah. I had a really instructive breakup in high school that that <laughs> I am delighted by to this day. So I was dating this girl from a uh, a high school in Des Moines, Washington. Not Des Moines. That's in Iowa. Des Moines with the hard S. Okay. Is, in, is, in, is next suburb up from from Federal okay. Way. And God, Washington has a lot of places that it shares with other places. Sorry. Just uh, about well, Vancouver yeah, we we're kind of out of ideas. And, um, <laughs> you know, Seattle, Florida took the name from there. Yeah. That's no, not really true. You get you get Seattle. Don't you worry. I don't Seattle. know if you get Vancouver and I don't know if you get Des Moines, <laughs> but you definitely get Seattle. So I was dating this this girl who I met through the speech tournaments. And, and like, it had clearly, it was mostly an on-the-phone kind of thing. and And we just would run out of things to say. And then we, but we're dating, so we, uh, and, and then one day she said, you know, I, we need to talk. She's like, I used to date this, this guy, Bill, and, and he broke up with his girlfriend and I think I want to go date him again. So I think you and I are, are done. And I'm like, oh, this is 
such a heartbreaking moment. And, and I hung up with her and I just started smiling. I'm like, <laughs> I'm so glad to be out of that relationship <laughs> where we had nothing to say to each other. Like, you know, after dreaming of finding a girlfriend for so long and then I had yeah. this girlfriend, but then it was just so boring that, yeah. that, uh, I was, you know, I called up my friends. I'm like, I can, I can go out with you guys tonight. I can, we can go out and do all sorts of things. So then, That's so good. So then cut to years later, cut to like maybe eight years ago from now. Okay. And my kids are doing a play in St. Paul at the, at the JCC. And so I go down there and we're waiting for play practice to get out. And I'm talking to one of the other dads and, uh, about, you know, oh, are you you're from St. Paul? And he's like, no, no, I'm actually from from uh, from the West Coast. And I'm like, oh, really? I, I'm, I'm from Seattle. And he's like, oh, yeah, me too. I'm from Seattle. And I'm like, but I'm not really from Seattle. I'm from Federal Way. And he said, uh, oh, well, I'm from Des Moines. And I'm like, oh, no kidding. And I said, did you go to Mount Rainier High School? Yeah, yeah, I went to Mount Rainier High School. And I'm like, class of, you know, same year, basically and i yeah. i said you didn't know a girl named jane smith yeah and he's like i dated jane smith <laughs> oh, no and i said awesome. is your name bill and he said <laughs> yes <laughs> that's so satisfying and i said so do you remember you broke up and then she was dating somebody else and she dumped him to go back to you and he said yeah i'm like I'm him. <laughs> and the fact that they that they didn't live happily ever after yeah. also made me really glad. Like I'm, I was going to say. I yeah. hope Jane it's, ended up with someone nice who she could have interesting conversations with where, <laughs> where Bill and I clearly fell short. Well, I'm impressed. I mean, because I think I was so dead set on feeling bad about stuff that like even that, and I'm sure people can relate to this, but like even that... It would have taken me so much longer to get to the point of actually being relieved because I would have to stumble past my own hurt pride. Right. Do you know what I mean? That I would be like, I can't believe this is happening to me. Like, how could this happen? <laughs> I and then you dumped. sort of break. Yeah, you break it down and you're like, oh, you don't like this is only about your ego. Like this is you, you, you can't, you're not letting yourself be fine with this because you feel like this is some huge reflection on your worth as a human being. Like if this person doesn't want to be with you, that means no one will. Um, but then, instead of isn't being there like, some redemption though, by, by saying, Oh, I got dumped and I'm actually fine because I know I can, I can still be loved by possibly somebody more interesting. And, and, exact right attitude i wish i could have gotten there faster as a younger person you know i wish that i, I wouldn't have been like surely i can feel awful about this for a month please <laughs> let me feel sorry for myself right. ay, ay, ay. oh man oh oh it's time for a quick break i will be back after a word from our friends at maximum fun Hal Lublin here with breaking news on a revolutionary form of entertainment, professional wrestling. For more, we go to our correspondent, Danielle Radford. Professional wrestling is the craze that's sweeping the nation, featuring fisticuffs, 
and colorful costumes. But who can help us make sense of this world of body slams? Lindsay Kelk has the answer. Sources tell us of an amazing podcast called Tights and Fights, filled with discussions of the absurdity of professional wrestling, plus all the sincerity and hilarity that you could shake a stick at. Listen to the Tights and Fights podcast every week. Find it on Maximum Fun or wherever you get your podcasts. And your old-timey radio. I want to do this mash game with you. All right. And I don't want to rush it too much because it's so fun hearing answers and why answers uh, are given. Are you familiar with mash? Yes. Mansion, apartment, shack house? Okay. And maybe now is a good time to say it's. It, it, I find it to be extremely bothersome that you have not done my podcast before, and I'm, I, <laughs> I, don't, I don't care for that. So I'm really, really right. glad that we well. got to do it. And you know I, I don't usually interview uh, the gentleman in uh, this time of year. I usually only do it in the summer, and I didn't get you this last summer. Okay. And, uh, and so this is like, ooh, we're shaking it up a little bit. I'm here among the ladies. You're here among the ladies. Uh, so, so worthy of being off season. So worthy. Oh. So first category. Well, let me ask you this. So when you're in high school, are you are what are you what are you finding yourself drawn to in terms of like how you sort of feel seen or how you spend like what kind of art are you are you loving movies? Are you becoming like a movie nerd? Are you loving books? Not that you have to it has to be one or the other. Or like yeah. you are you listening to musicians and going like yes, you know, like you know, as a as a young teenager I definitely was like, Joni Mitchell, it's like you it's like you're growing up right alongside <laughs> she me. Feels, she sings she the songs of it. my heart. No, it was yeah. it was all music for me. It was Okay. It was um <laughs> it, it was punk rock, but I wasn't bold enough to be a punk rocker. So, like, I would have a couple of punk rock, like, you know, pins or something, maybe an old army jacket, but I wasn't yeah. going to go with the spikes or the, the the hairdo or the real commitment to that. And I'd be like, well, I want to do plays. I can't get a mohawk, but I was <laughs> just scared. Um, so, yeah, it was it was Black Flag. It was the Dickies. It was the Dead Kennedys. Um and then, Great. and then it was dabbling, like dabbling in uh, some heavy metal. But that was sort mm-hmm. of the the sort of national anthem of my high school was probably something by Ozzy Osbourne. So you Got know, it. it was important to to stand out. And then me and my friends went through a period of like we were into like Donovan. Like we'd go ba- way back to the sixties. Like. Groovy. The Love and Spoonful or something. Oh, sure. I definitely went. I had some Love and Spoonful on some playlists for Turtles, sure. Turtles. Like, you know, and, yeah. and you know, this is in the middle of the 80s. Um, yeah. And so, you know, we'd, we'd, we'd go that route. I, I think as long as it wasn't, um, you know, Duran Duran uh, yeah. or, you know, Wham, yeah. even though I know now categorically Duran Duran and Wham are awesome. I was going to ask you. That was definitely my next question is like, do you still feel that way? No. Or have they sort of gained a, a yeah. I mean, I'm I'm still not a huge synthesizer fan when it comes to yeah. music. I feel like it's uh-huh. it just doesn't work a lot of the time. Synths yeah. and saxophone, I really, it takes a lot oh, to make saxophone. it work. Oh, good. It's hard. And listen, it is hard. And I am not even saying this about things. I Like, for example, I love that Bon Iver has brought the saxophone and the synth back. Uh-huh. Um, but like- for sure, the songs where I'm like, 
oh, this is so good. Listen to that sleazy saxophone. <laughs> like, it's really easy. It's really easy for a saxophone to get a little 80s sleazy yep. e- in any context, <laughs> even if it's not meant to be. I, I was really into the alarm, which is was like yeah. a, a sort of not quite U2 style band. Yes. And then years later, like at the Minnesota State Fair, I had occasion, a friend of mine knew I liked the alarm and the guy from the alarm was at the fair for some reason. And so I met Love the it. I met the blonde guy from the alarm and I got all starstruck. And the uh-huh. the poor guy from the alarm, I don't think he was used to people being starstruck by him. He didn't know what to do. <laughs> oh he wasn't? Oh yeah. that's wonderful. Yeah, Sixty eight guns. I mean, he might have been uncomfortable, but that doesn't mean he didn't love it. And I'm like, sure he it wasn't loved it floating on a way. cloud afterwards. Yeah. yeah. Okay. <laughs> in this case, I'm going to say uh, three bands that I'm going to inject you into uh, mm. in this sort of t- endless, like endless, limitless age, time, space. None of that is really a factor here. Where you actually get to like play with some bands, oh. and that doesn't it doesn't have to be the bands from then. It could be now, but I'm just gonna drop you in whenever you want. You're like suddenly having the like joy of like playing a great set on stage or in a studio right. with three bands you love. Um. I would go with Black Flag. Great. Um, but just for a performance or recording session because th- that was a famously workaholic band that were miserable. Um, Got it. <laughs> Camper Van Beethoven. Yes. Which was like my first college band love. Yes. Um, and then I will jump into the band that played the most face-ripping greatest concert I've ever been to when they were – Young and uh, almost entirely unknown, they played a tiny gym at my college, a little band called Soundgarden. Oh, shit. That's so cool. Just Like they were all oh. like 19 years old and it was like. Oh, that's great. Yeah. I don't know what I'd do. I'd play the triangle for them or something. But it would Well, be I don't know. Listen, we might be dropping you in with skills that you, uh, oh, okay. that you have mastered. Sure. In fact, let's do it. Let's give you three skills. It doesn't have to be musical, but if you want to use this category for one of them yep. uh, to, to, to grab something like that. Three skills that are real life skills, but take a lot of practice that we're going to, uh, you're potentially going to have downloaded Matrix style and you're just expert at. Gotcha. Um, business acumen. Like the, the ability to form and grow a business and not just have it sound like nonsense to me. Uh-huh. Uh, um, passable mathematical skills. Um, passable. Because once my kid. Aim low. Aim, aim Listen, real low. I have three. Passable. I have three kids and the the youngest is in ninth grade and she is just in the process of passing my mathematical mm-hmm. level. I'm giving you fantastic okay, mathematical great. skills. Well, you know, if we're doing it, I'm in a band, Janet Varney, called I think called Math Emergency, where yeah. our our drummer and bass player are both college math professors. Oh my god, this is wonderful! And so I never know what to. I there's a lot we don't have to talk about, and so if <laughs> I so I'll do those, and then um, oh, and then and then surgery skills. I think I'd like to be a. Like a transplant surgeon. Oh, my. Okay. I think, this, that's like a career. I think that would help people. Okay. I mean, yeah. All right. <laughs> so we've tr- so potentially one of these skills has actually completely altered your the course of your career. This is exciting. Yeah. Um, three movies that you can jump into and just be in, in that world. You're not reliving the plot. You're in no danger. But it's just the sort of feeling of being in the world of, of these movies. Um. 
Well, I'll go with three of my favorite movies. Great. Uh, Ron, the Akira Kurosawa King Lear remake. Um, yes. Which is huge, just a big, huge movie. Um, All the President's Men, yeah. which is just a, a two and a half hour long tribute to pencils. There's so many <laughs> pencils in that movie. Um, Amazing. It's a great and movie. It's a great movie. And God, I'm, I I always have favorite movies ready to go um, because you, know, you never know when people are going to ask. And and Tree of Life is one of my favorites, but I don't oh, I don't know that I want to be in be. that world. Yeah, I think yeah, I'll be fair. in. I think I'll go for Anchorman. It can't oh, go wrong great. with Anchorman. Yeah. Yeah. Fabulous. Yes. Great choice and Thank great you. choices. Very diverse choices. Um, okay. Great. Uh, all do you respect to your wife? All do you respect <laughs> to your wife? Yes. Alternate universe. It, the, the connection is just not. It's not going to happen because this is like a, it's a it's a crazy other world where um, perhaps you don't even meet three people. They can be characters from books, movies, cartoons, uh, any era, any actor. You know, sure. All of that is is on the table. <sighs> Winona Ryder. Great. Winona Ryder. Uh-huh. Winona Ryder. You think I would let you get away with that? I, I, I had hoped so. Um, <laughs> Only because I feel like if Winona is up there, my feeling is that there are, I would imagine that there are tangentially people that sort of. Yeah, or Winona S. You know what I'm yeah. saying? Like, like, and this is a bad, this is not an example that I expect you to, but like, for example, um, I just had uh, my friend Lauren on and she said uh, Rachel Vice, and I could see someone loving Rachel Vice and yeah. also loving Winona. Now, they're not necessarily like Rachel doesn't, she tends to play a slightly less kind of emotionally vulnerable characters, but that in my mind, I was like, oh, maybe there's like two more. Well, that- I'll, how about this? I'll go with one Winona esque person and one very un Winona esque person. Great. Uh, I'll go with Selma Blair. Oh, wonderful! Yeah, yes. who's sort of of the of the Winona uh, genus? Definitely, yeah, and, great. And then you've you've already mentioned her, Joni Mitchell. Oh, Joni! I mean, I would absolutely. I have a friend who wrote one of those thirty-three and a third books about Joni Mitchell, and I said, "Have you met Joni Mitchell?" And he said, "Oh, I never want to meet Joni Mitchell. She'd destroy me." And so <laughs> I think it's that kind of thing. But yeah, Joni yeah. Mitchell. Oh, wonderful, wonderful, wonderful. Um, yeah, I have my dad gave me her because he, he I loved her for so long um, for Christmas a couple of years ago when she did she their book came out called Morning Glory on the Vine, which uh-huh. is a bunch of her old sketches uh-huh. and lyrics to some known songs and also some songs that she never like put to music or or put to music and then was like eh. So you just tumble across these handwritten lyrics where you're like, oh my god, oh this my is god. like an unpublished. Yeah, it's it's really cool. She's, it's really cool. She's got a concert coming up, you know. Yeah, she got. I mean, she With only Brandy went Carlisle. back on stage for that. Yeah, Brandy's Brandy's the one who I say that like I know her, but like she's really the one who's like coaxed Joni back into singing at all and being in music at all yeah like, she is single-handedly it seems to me like brought Joni out of retirement which is fucking awesome thank you brandy oh it's so cool okay great uh i think it's 
clear which one I hope you get, but okay. I can't control the outcome of Bash. Uh, next category, let's do three places in time that we can send you to. You're totally safe. Um, you're in a sort of safety bubble, but we're giving you a chance to either see something no one's seen before or solve a mystery or just like see your parents meet or, you know, whatever you want. See the yeah. see the vicious circle that Dorothy Park, you know, any, anything <laughs> like that. Three places in time in history. Um, I, boy, let's see. I mean, I'll be the cliche theater student and go see the premiere of Hamlet at the Globe Theater. Yes. And see see that. I'm so glad you said that. I don't know if anyone has said that yet. Really? And it's such a no-brainer. I love it. Yeah, that's um uh gosh, what else what else would I want to see? Um I could I be on the moon and see mm-hmm. Neil Armstrong? Absolutely. Okay. Only if you promise to be like, uh, I'm already here. No. Yeah, I'm, I'll be. Uh, hi- I'll hide behind a rock. Don't worry. <laughs> Great. <laughs> I just, Don't step on the butterfly. I, I just want to see that go down. Um, yeah. And uh, God, you know what? I, can I? Is it something that I've already experienced that I could experience again? Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. First day of uh, working at a summer camp. Summer a- after my my fresh uh, after my senior year of college. Um, oh my god! Great. And I'm the drama instructor at this camp. And first day I'm there, I meet this really cute sailing instructor who goes to the University of Montana. And and you know, since then we've been married for 27 years. Oh, that's so lovely. But I, I'd like to meet her again. I think that yes. would be fun. Oh, that's wonderful. That's wonderful. Um, God, good luck, other ones now. Yeah, right. <laughs> uh, some Sometimes the categories make themselves very clear. Uh, so it's going to be very painful for me if you don't get them. Okay. Uh, next one, let's do three uh, artists of some kind that you would love to collaborate with. And you don't even necessarily have to know what that is. And they could be from any time, any era. Um, Ooh, any kind of art, I imagine, too. Mm-hmm, yeah. George Saunders. Yes. Um, because he is great and so nice. So nice. That's the thing about George Saunders. Yeah. This is someone who I've worked with before and who I really wish was still among us is Fred Willard. Yes. Because that is the what a delightful man. funniest and nicest fellow you'd ever like to meet. Yes, indeed. And how about... Oh, God. So I'm collaborating with them, and I have skills commensurate to theirs, or at least belong Absolutely, in the room with them? Absolutely, yeah. I mean, if you're if you're like carving, if you're helping carve David, there's a reason you're there. Don't worry. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, uh, this is this is a bit of an homage to my father, whose, whose greatest wish, his greatest daydream was to be a Jordanaire, which was okay. Elvis's backup singers. Yeah, yeah. And I'm like, wouldn't you want to be Elvis? He said, no, I don't want to be Elvis. I want to wear a nice suit and snap my fingers and go, ooh. Yes. So I would I would like to be a pip. I would like to be with Gladys oh, Knight and the pips. That's super cool. You know, just that midnight train to Georgia. Yes. Hers, mine, hers. That, yeah, I want to be a pip. Yeah. Oh, I love that. Wow, <laughs> that's absolutely wonderful. I just had that experience of I was like revisiting uh, Dream of the Blue Turtles, which is uh-huh. Sting's first album sure. after The Police. And I was like, because then they did the they did the Bring on the Night documentary where it shows like him and the musicians and the backup singers recording in this like chateau that he rents uh. to, to facilitate that. And I definitely had just had recently had that thought of like, 
I I would love to be a backup singer for someone like Sting. Like that oh, would have been man. so fun to just be, you know, with all the because he's that is a good example of somebody who was like, I want the best. I want everyone at their best. Yeah. I don't need to be the best in the room. Like I want. I want to be surrounded by genius. I have like, a, I have a friend who's a professional backup singer, and I mean she's put out some of her own music too. But she, yeah, I, she's played with all sorts of people, and it is such a tricky job to be able yeah. to like blend in, you know, with yes. with what everybody's style is, yeah, and to like recognize, oh, here's where I need to do the the lead here's what I need to do counterpoint here's where I need to harmonize yeah. you you got to read all these things it's uh, yeah and I respect the hell out of it oh my god me too that's I I would now you're gonna have to introduce me to that friend because I feel like I want to ask all <laughs> the questions that you do to ask okay just two more quick categories yes. uh, next category let's do uh, three places in the world that we can teleport you to where you have another home um, and again you don't need to worry about the travel of getting there so we're gonna sure. we're gonna portal you to your second home uh, in or third home I really don't know you might have a lake house somewhere already <laughs> uh, somewhere in the world anywhere whether you've been there or not Yep. That you imagine to be great. Um, my my mother's family is all from uh, northern Norway, like way up above the Arctic Circle, where oh, wow. where it's you know it, if you're there in the summer, it just doesn't get dark for yes, several yeah. weeks. So I'd like to go back there. I was I went there with my family a few years ago, and and I'm really aching to get back. I have a friend. Who, I'm I'm envious. I have a friend who just up and moved to Trondheim, Norway, from like Seattle. And I'm like, wow. oh, so yeah, Norway would be one. Northern Norway would Super be one. Super cool. Yes. Um, the Oregon coast, which is, I yes. just love. I just love the whole yes. dang thing because it's all publicly accessible. Like there's no private yeah. beach in Oregon. Yeah. Um, have you ever been to the Sylvia Beach Hotel? I have not. Where is that? It's, um, I, I, I don't, I'm, a, I don't know if it still exists, but it's, and I've never been there, but it was a place that my friend gave me a flyer to when I was in high school. And I was <laughs> like, someday, someday. And it's a place that's on Sylvia Beach, wherever that is, on the Oregon coast. But it's a, it's a writer themed oh. hotel. So you can stay in the Edgar Allan Poe room or you nice. can stay in the Tennessee Williams room. <laughs> you can stay in the Hemingway room, whatever. And as a teenager, you're, you know, that there's something about that that's like, a grown-up could have a hotel and just clean <laughs> the rooms. Just like make that it what seems they want so it to be. exotic. Yeah, uh, yeah. Oregon coast, beautiful. Choice. Oregon beautiful coast, choice. and then for the third, let's go with like uh, Tahiti. Like let's go to the most Great. tropical, tropical you can get to. I've never been there, but uh, I would like to go there and then just lie on the beach and do nothing for like a month. Great, great, great. Okay, and then final category, three people that for one reason or another, either because they don't really exist or they are not alive any longer or you just don't think that you would ever be able to talk to them about it. Uh, three people, three figures you would love to interview and talk about depression with, like their depression. Oh, that's interesting. Abraham Lincoln, uh, who we, we know to some extent that... that uh, that that's something that he dealt with. Poor um, him and Mary Todd. The two of them were just like I too know. smart for the world, too fragile for the world, <laughs> but so, you know, ay, ay, ay. I yeah. love it. Abraham Lincoln, number one, yes. Abraham Lincoln, um, you know, it this this sounds really cliche, but it's secretly not, which is Vincent Van Gogh, because he was a much happier person than people made him out to be. <laughs> like, especially yeah. when he got, when he got treatment, like a lot of his great paintings came from when he was in 
a really humane, nice, small asylum that he checked himself into. Yeah. And, yeah. and and he had he had some really good friends. Like he, yeah. he's he's sort of simplified into this caricature that he really wasn't. But you know, he had a lot of darkness too. So I'd like to I'd like to talk to him about that. And um Beautiful. and then somebody whose whose death really still affects me is Kurt Cobain. Oh sure. Sure, sure. I mean I, I have I have friends in common with him. I never met him myself, but uh I've I've heard friends talk about how he was and, and uh you know, it's I don't I don't believe in like I'm gonna go save him if I could just interview yeah. him and, and teach him all these things. But I would right. I would just like to hear from from that soul and, and yes. get some good questions in with him. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Um God, these are great. Okay, wow. All right. This is like I've n I'm n I don't I can't think of the last time I'd be this upset to cross anything off. But um <laughs> I'm not in charge here. I'm not in charge here. No, so you don't make the uh, rules. give me I don't make the rules. Give me a word that um give me one word that helps sort of describe uh, how you feel about the fact that this is, uh, you know, a Friday and, and that this weekend is is uh, looming large? How about, oh, no, that's too dark. Um, <laughs> I was gonna Indifferent. Say, I was going to say ominous, but that's. Well, I uh, mean, like, you know, you and I don't have lives, I don't think, that where it's like, the weekend, TGIF, Um But, you know, it might mean something. It might mean you're going to see a friend or it might mean it's so yeah. cloudy and, and snowy that you are sad and just want to sleep all weekend like any any answer is fine well i'm gonna i'm gonna fly somewhere where it's sunny uh on sunday so um i i think uh i i think hopeful i think i'm hopeful going into this weekend great okay please would you do me the favor and honor of vamping while I do this? Sure. This is a great opportunity to talk <laughs> yeah. about the paperback edition of a certain wonderful book Thank about uh, depression mode and anything else you would like people to know about. Thank you, Janet. Um, yes, so my, my my uh, my book, The Hilarious World of Depression, uh, is available now in paperback. It's a memoir with. Uh, a lot of stuff about mental health, a lot of stuff about my journey, and a lot of interviews that I've done uh, over the years with a lot of famous people, a lot of really funny people. It's a surprisingly funny book, um, and it's a book that has a lot of uh, a lot of information that that my my mother was very frightened to have me share with the world. She's uh, she's elderly and Norwegian and ca- comes from a much more reticent culture. And uh, she was nervous about me sharing this with everybody because that's not really what they do. Um, but she, after she read it, she said, oh, this is a book that's going to help people. And I said, yeah, that's oh, the idea. Good. Oh, yes. And now she's very proud of it. And so that's, oh. been, that's been great. So that's available. You could find me on Twitter uh, because it's still there. I'm at John Moe on Twitter and on Instagram, actually where I'm spending a little more time lately. You can hear my show, Depression Mode, with John Moe here on the Maximum Fun Network. And um, we've got some, I've got some other projects in the works that I can't announce just yet. You can also find my band, Math Emergency, on Bandcamp. Math Emergency. And um, our, our 
debut album, Then Russ Called, is out. We're heading into the studio this month to record a follow-up album, and we'll be performing in January at the White Squirrel Bar here in St. Paul, Minnesota. How fantastic is that? Let me ask you this. Then Russ Called, is this an old 97 situation, or do we find out the meaning behind Russ Calling? Oh, no. We find out why Russ Called, because okay. he wants to find okay. out if you still have that old Econoline van, because he thinks it would be fun to go up by the junior high to that big steep hill and just roll <laughs> it down. Fantastic. <laughs> Fantastic. A situation which I'm very glad to know the yeah. uh, origin story of that. <laughs> uh, this is one of those Robert's dad things. Yeah, um, right. Okay. Boy, uh, like I said, it was there was some pain. I experienced some pain here. Some hard cuts. Um, not every kid makes there the team. Some very, yeah, not every kid makes the team. I, I do feel like there's some some delicious stuff in here. I hope you feel the same. Um, first of all, I, I don't know where you're going to find time to uh, be in your band because your surgery skills are keeping you very <laughs> busy saving some lives, uh, or at the very least, helping some people in, in medical type ways. Nice, uh, but. And then the other thing is, and again, all due respect to your band, uh, you are also going to be re- uh, recording something with Black Flag. So okay. uh, I hope you manage to still squeeze in uh, Math Emergency uh, in the midst of all of this other stuff that's going on in your professional and musical life. Thank you. Um, uh, speaking of your professional and musical life, you also um, get to be a pip. So nice. there's a lot of music a lot of kind music. of uh, coming through here. Sure. Um, not to be outdone, a uh, lot of range. Let me add to that range. Let me really add to that range by putting Joni Mitchell in the picture with you. Oh, so boy. you got sweet, sweet Joni, yep. at, and you're a pip, and you're recording with Black Flag, and you have surgery skills. Uh, I don't know how much of a break you need to take from this life because it sounds pretty remarkable, but I want you to know you can also jump into all the president's men whenever you want okay. and appreciate oh, pencils and more. Yep. <laughs> uh, you can also um, teleport to your apartment in Upper Norway. Um, nice. So I'm not sure what the apartment complex looks like in that particular uh, climate. It Probably might, not I, a lot it of units. Be, it's pretty small. Probably not <laughs> a lot of units. It might be a one-off. Might be yeah. a one-off apartment. Yeah. Um, and uh, and then as if that weren't enough, you can also zing over to peek around a rock and see Neil Armstrong landing oh. on the real actual moon, not on a soundstage as some have suggested. <laughs> no, no, I'm going to the real the moon. on the actual moon. Yep. Uh, and you will be there to see that happen. Um, and then you also have the opportunity to have a, 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 an in-depth and wonderful and rewarding conversation with one Vincent Van Gogh, who nice. uh, you're going to help, I think, the world be more illuminated about his true story and arc and experiences and not just, Complexity. you don't imagine this. Yeah. Everybody imagines him that as this guy who just can't wait to cut his ear off his whole life <laughs> is leading towards that famous moment. Um, not so. That is not how people work. Um, right. And and, uh, and you have uh, done a tremendous amount to help people understand that and help people see oh. the humor and, and, and you know, whether or not uh, you call it therapy, it, it, you know it's therapeutic for people. Because as you've said, you constantly get feedback from people who are so appreciative that you're putting it out there and helping people, you know, be honest about mental health and all that kind of stuff. It's so Good. important and wonderful. Thank you. That's mm-hmm. I can live with all that. That sounds not real nice. Yeah. Not too bad. Okay. Jono, thank you so much for being on the podcast. 
I'm so I mean, glad I'm to join the rounding 500 club. episodes. So, oh, you are so listen. You were already in it. I <laughs> I can't. I mean, I don't know. That's this is this is absurd. This is absurd. We're gonna pretend like this was your follow up episode. Like, right. oh, remember when I had you back on right. so many years ago? Well, no, th- and- this episode really fits in well with the whole uh, the catalog of other appearances I've done. It's a natural continuation. It's a natural. It's on that continuum. And furthermore, I will say that is one thing about when you've done your podcast long enough, it, you you end up not seeking people out because you're lucky enough to just have a lot of people being pitched to you or, you know, just sort of like, uh-huh. here's this person I just worked with. Like, of course, I'll have them on. And when I look back, there are so many people that I'm like, why haven't I had them on? And it's because <laughs> someone I knew far less but like that a publicist was like, have this person on. And I end up like having a delightful conversation. But it's funny because I now I'm looking back as I hit 500. I'm like, interesting. Like somehow I'm at 500 episodes and there's still a lot left undone. Yeah. I, I need to like figure this out. You need, so need to do I'm another glad to, 500. Glad to have you. <laughs> oh, boy. That just seems like a lot. <laughs> that seems like a lot. <laughs> well, Thank you so much for doing the podcast. Everyone, please support uh, all of the wonderful endeavors of Mr. John Moe, not the least of which is your ability to get this book. Um, thank you. I'll see you guys uh, next week, except I won't see you. Never do. It's an audio podcast. Bye. The show is recorded by me and edited by Julian Burrell. And as always, the JV Club theme song is Back Before We Were Brittle by the amazing Say Hi. Hey, remember one We could save kittens from trees Or lunch on skyscrapers Bring the villains to their knees Maybe we should MaximumFun.org Comedy and culture Artist owned Audience supported